0: terms and conditions
1: apply it's the son of a butch podcast comes at you every wednesday this week's guest one of the voices of the pga tour one of my favorite people in the game steve sands um i've had the pleasure to to meet steve and get to know him uh both on the course and off the course and i just think he does a fantastic job um for golf channel and nbc and um he spends so much time um, with the players learning about what they're doing he's always you know messaging me and and other coaches and about what he's you know going to talk about and getting all the information and, and and I think you know that's why he is so popular um I mean that is why everybody on tour loves the guy because he does his homework he he wants to make sure the information he's getting right is right and um I can't tell you how happy I am that he decided to come on the pod. We've been trying to get it done for a while. And when when I started this a couple of years ago, the idea was to sit down, write a list of people that I wanted to have on. And and he was definitely at the top of that list. So I'm excited um, and sit back and enjoy the interview with Steve Sands. So my guest is one of the voices of the PGA Tour, Steve Sands. Sandy, we were talking before we came on um, in this crazy 2023 PGA Tour live battle world. I haven't seen you since walking down the fairway at the uh, Open Championship. And I don't think people realize um, how, I mean, you guys in, in the TV world are as much a part of the fabric of the PGA Tour as, as everyone else. And, you know, the fact that I've been spending most of my time because all my guys are on live. Um, I just haven't seen you. So it's good to see
2: you, man. It's great to see you, Claude. I'm glad you're doing well. I mean, we've been friends 20, 25 years, and we usually dine or raise a glass, you know, multiple times a year. And to just see you in the fairway, what's that, seven, eight months ago? That's uh, crazy. I, I mean, we text and everything. I, it's funny you, you brought that up. You you brought that up. I was at uh, the Bears Club a couple of months ago when Camilo and Maria had their first charity event for Mia. Everybody understands, you know. Yeah. yeah. Who passed away at such a, a young age it was such a tragic thing. They had a big Mia's Miracles uh, event, and they asked me to come down. Claude uh, Camillo called and said, "Hey, would you come down and MC it?" I said, "Of course, I'm happy to uh, drive down a couple of hours from how, from where we live." Uh, and who's the first person I run into is Dustin Johnson, <laughs> and they're all. I mean, Rory's there, Ricky's there, Dustin's there. They All of the, the, the one of the great things about this sport, as you know, Claude, is they support their own. And they support whatever charities it is, whatever cause it is. And in this case, everybody knew what happened with Camillo and his wife, Maria. And it was just an awful thing. So anyway, I run into Dustin Johnson. the first guy I see. Now, like you, I haven't seen Dustin in months. You know, I love Dustin. So anyway, I walk up to him and say hello. give each other, you know, a hug. Hello, blah, blah, blah. How's it going? Family, all that kind of garbage. And I look at him and say, I got to tell you, man, of all the things that have happened in the last year, you know what I miss most? He's like, what's that I said? Saying the phrase "Johnson for birdie at <laughs> 12. just it just he's missed, Claude. He's missed on the PGA tour. Know, I don't know if everybody is missed, but he is missed on and off the golf course. You
1: know, I I say this to a lot of the people that I have on the show. Um, you know, that are in the golf space. You know, like you guys are, and the players and stuff. Um, I mean, even when we saw each other at the Open Championship at St Andrews, if you th- could look forward and i would have told you hey i've gone to the future and this is where we are in in mid-season start of the florida swing i mean it's just the landscape of professional golf really has has changed um but having said that i don't think jay monahan and the boys at ponte vedra could have dreamed up a better start to this new season i mean you were a big part of the west coast swing um I mean, there has been some unbelievable golf being played, and and you being so much a part of of, of the broadcasts. Um, how how crazy and how special is what John Rahm is currently doing? I mean, you've seen you know a lot of golf over your time. I mean, you saw all the Tiger stuff. You've seen all the great players, but this kid is just. I mean, he is playing some unbelievable golf, Santi.
2: Yeah, he's, he's off the charts. Uh, watching him. Uh, watching him go about his business, uh, how he takes care of his craft and then how he implements the game plan that he has set forth and executes it so well. It's just remarkable. I was talking to somebody the other day, Claude, about John and everybody knew he had the promise. Everybody knows he has the game, but to put it all together is a totally different thing. And I think there's a couple of things in sports. You never want to rub the anointing oil all over somebody. I can't stand that now. He's an incredibly great player, and he's established, and now he's hot. There's a huge difference in sports, Claude, from being great and being hot. He's hot, but he's also great. You win three it's- times in a span of a month or in change on the PGA Tour, um, playing different venues, different fields, uh, going up and trying to do it, from the, from the jump when you're the favorite or when you're trying to recapture being number one. I think what John has done, I'm not going to compare him to Tiger and all those kinds of things, but when you look at someone who wins two consecutive starts on tour, that's pretty strong, and then he backs it up with another win. That's, that's an otherworldly type of situation, Claude. I, I think he is, I've, I've changed my mind back and forth on who's the best player in the world when they are playing their best. When Dustin Johnson was playing his best, I didn't think anybody could beat him. When John Rahm is playing his best, when Rory McIlroy is playing his best, I don't think they can be beaten. Justin Thomas can be in that category as well, uh, and maybe a couple of other guys. But John Rahm's the best player in the world right now, and I don't think it's even a debate. And that's saying something because Scheffler's already won, and McIlroy's been playing some great golf. But I think Rahm right now is the best player in the world.
1: What do you think, Sandy, you watch him, you get to be around him and interview him. What do you think is the intangible that he has apart from the golf? I mean, he's. I. I. when I watch him play golf, and I'm sure you feel the same way, I don't know how he doesn't win every week because it just doesn't look like he can hit it offline. The way that his golf swing is, how accurate. I don't think he gets nearly the credit for having the the full package right we all know he can hit the golf ball miles he's a big kid um but he is the total total package from a golfer but what do you see as you know that thing that all of the great ones have not only in golf but that extra thing that every great champion, regardless of what the sport is, what do you think that is that he has?
2: I think it's his energy, Claude. He has the game. Obviously, we know that. We know he can drive the golf ball. We know he can make big putts. We know he can chip and pitch. We know his irons are great. We know his bunker plays great. I think his attitude when he first came out on the PGA Tour, his attitude coming out of Arizona State maybe hurt him a little bit professionally. And he had to get used to being out there in front of all the TV cameras, being out there in front of all the people, all the ropes, all the the craziness that goes on with being a professional golfer. And he was a young kid, Claude. These kids grow up in front of our eyes. He's now married to Kelly, two kids. His life off the golf course is incredibly settled, very comfortable, allows him to just go play golf and do his thing. And I think that energy that perhaps harnessed him a little bit in the early stages of his career. And he's become a better player, obviously, as he's gotten more mature and he's gotten older. But I also think that energy that used to be a harness on him is now allowing him to free wheel it out there. I think he has taken some of that energy that perhaps was either pent up or maybe a little bit on the angry side. And I mean that in a good way, in an athletic way. You need to have some oomph uh, to be great. There is no such thing as being great, and being the nicest man on the planet all day, every day. That's not how it works. So it's a singular pursuit, Claude. It's a bit of a selfish pursuit. And you've got to be able to take that energy that perhaps is holding you back and harness it in a way that's in a positive light as opposed to a negative. And I think that between his wife, between Adam Hayes being his caddy and being a regular presence in his life, having two children to allow some perspective and some context to him at an early age. Claude, it's not like his life has drastically changed over you know, a course of 15 years of being single for 10 or 12 years. He's young and having this family. I think, look out for him. I think that the world in this sport is his oyster. Uh, and I think that that energy that used to hold him back, I think he has managed to transform it into a positive thing. And now his game is matched up with it. And you're looking at the best player on the planet.
1: You said you, you know, obviously it's easy to try and when anybody gets on a run, wins a bunch of tournaments, everybody compares him to Tiger. Um and and I, I don't think we're there yet. But one of the things I think he has is if he's on the leaderboard, you don't expect him to back up. And if you've got a lead or the one thing I think he has the the ability to do that is very Tiger-esque is you give him, you know, a one, two, three shot lead, he can go out and shoot. He's got the game to where he doesn't have to take a lot of chances. He can do what guys like Tiger used to do back in the day to where um, I remember Tiger telling Adam Scott early on in his career in 2001, we were at the PGA at Atlanta with David Toms one. You know, Adam's just kind of getting going, hadn't really won a bunch of tournaments. And, and Tiger said, listen, you're trying to win tournaments by shooting zero on Sunday. He said, I promise you, the ones that are the most fun for me is when I've got a one or two shot lead, I shoot one under and I let everybody else screw it up. Jack Nicklaus did that. And I think John has that type of presence in that type of game to where he doesn't have to overpower you on Sunday. He can just kind of do what he does. He's going to have his chances on the par fives. And then you know that he's not going to back up.
2: Yeah. John's one of those guys. And I think it's rare, uh, even for the greats of the greats Claude, Um, I think he can 68, 69 you to death. He will just bludgeon you with a butter knife. Because you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, here's John Rom again. Oh my gosh, here's John Rom again. He does it in the California desert. He does it at Riviera. He does it on Maui. I mean, it's like all these different places, these different grasses, these different conditions. Um, The thing about John that I find, look, I think he's terrific to deal with. Um, He's a bit of a hard ass and that's okay. I mean, that's that's part of being great. Uh, I love being around him. He's very insightful. He's a very bright kid. Uh, and I also think he has a high golf acumen. Uh, and I think that combination bodes well. And I, and I think you made a really interesting point there at the beginning of the question. Claude. He has become, and it ha- has happened kind of quickly, he has become one of those guys. And it's rarefied air in this particular sport. When your name's on the leaderboard, and everyone knows it, everyone, everyone expects John Rom to play well. If he doesn't play well, hey, listen, that's sports, that happens. But when he does play well and he puts himself in position, he doesn't give that up very often. His record when he is playing well and is on a leaderboard is stout. And I think he is absolutely, with Rory, with Justin Thomas, with the great players of today, when Rom's name is on the first page of a leaderboard late Saturday, early Sunday, I think everybody in the sport recognizes it and, and knows what's about to happen.
1: So how does his game, do you think, for this year? I mean, obviously, Augusta, I mean, I mean he can, he can hit the golf ball as high as anybody. He can hit the golf ball as far as anybody. He's a great putter. Um, but the rest of the majors, the venues, how do you think those are going to set up for him? And what do you think? I mean, they haven't had a, a U.S. Open at LACC, Los Angeles Country Club. We go back to Oak Hill. Um, where are we going for the Open this year? We're going to... Royal Liverpool. So those golf courses, I mean, we've got some data points for the Open and the PGA that we don't have for the U.S. Open, but he's won a U.S. Open, so he, he, he knows what that test is going to be, that kind of cauldron. But the other two, how do you think his game sets up for those?
2: Well, I also think it's interesting that he won at Riviera, so he knows what it's like to win in the City of Angels, and he's just going to go down the street to LACC. Let, let's start with Augusta first. Sevi Ballesteros, Jose Maria La Sergio Garcia, John Rahm is going to win a Masters and you might as well give it a shot this April because right now he's playing so great. Now, that's six, seven weeks from now, so let's wait and see if his game is prepared and, and is sharp like it is right now. He hits that high fade off the tee. That is a magical, magical recipe uh, for Augusta National. I know that a lot of shots are right to left there. I think Jack Nichols was a high fader of the golf ball. He did okay. I believe he won six. I think Tiger knows how to, you know, kind of butter cut it out there when he needs to. He won five of them. I think John will be okay in that regard. He's played it a few times. He's comfortable there uh, if this continues over the course of the next six, seven weeks. So I think Augusta suits up, uh, sits very well for him and should suit nicely to his game. Oak Hill. Um, big boy golf course. Big boy golf course. The, the Harmon family knows that golf course very, very well. Uh, there is absolutely no reason that you could win a U.S. Open at Torrey Pines and not win a a PGA at Oak Hill. There's no reason. I'm not saying there's similar golf courses. No offense to Rochester, but we're not looking over the cliffs uh, to the Pacific Ocean. It's not as pretty, but it's a big boy golf course that's going to be really tough. And the PGA tends to just loosen the screws a little bit compared to the, the USGA. I think his game should serve very well uh, at Oak Hill. LACC is up for grabs. I think a lot of guys are going to go there and practice over the course of the next four months uh, before going there. Uh, The guys aren't familiar with it uh, as they would be for the other golf courses that they're playing on the major championship rotation this year. But LACC for a guy like John, I don't think there's any golf course that John uh, can't win on. Certainly he's more favorable on certain types of, of grasses and conditions. But LACC will not be an issue. If it's his week, it's his week. And like you said, he already knows what the cauldron is like to win a US Open. Liverpool, I say this to you, we, we talk about this every year. Uh, the Open Championship it's predicated on the weather, uh, your tea time, um, the conditions that week. Uh, and again, how's your game traveling uh, in July? Uh, busy time of the year, the, the you know the FedEx Cup coming up in August. You've already played three major championships and the players he's already won three times in January and February who knows what's going to happen over the course of the next four months. But Liverpool famously is where Tiger won without ever hitting a driver and McElroy won an open when kind of like Mickelson, nobody thought that would win an open before he won the other three major championships. So to me, if you're the best player in the world and you're John Rahm, and you know your game travels all over the place. There's absolutely no reason that he doesn't contend at any of the four major championships this year. The way he's put, the way he's performing.
1: Have you been surprised? I mean, you mentioned that that you enjoy talking to him. That he's a thinker. That you know, there's a lot more to him than you know, just you know, a guy that 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 plays golf. Have you been surprised that he, more than anybody on the PGA Tour side of this t- PGA Tour live debate, he's almost been a little bit of a voice of reason to where he's, I wouldn't say he's riding the fence because he has said, listen, you know, he's made critical comments of Liv. Um, he's made, I wouldn't say he's made positive comments, but he hasn't made a ton of negative. And, 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 and I think he's one of the few guys right now that is, you know, somewhat a, a voice, in my opinion, of reason where right now it, it is, just, I mean, these two things are as far apart as you can get right now.
2: I think with John and I I have not spoken to him this in depth with him off camera, but I have spoken to him a little bit uh, and gotten where his mind is on this. Uh, I think a lot of it goes back to the Ryder cup. Now, remember he's Spanish. Now he lives in America. He's raising his family in America. He married an American. He went to college in America. He's not going anywhere. He's going to live in Scottsdale the rest of his life. He's going to travel the world and go home to Spain and see his family. But he is, you know, an American for all you know, intents and purposes as far as that goes, but he's from Spain and the Ryder cup is a very big deal. If you go back in time, Claude, this isn't a history lesson for your audience, but if you go back in time, there are three people who saved the Ryder cup, Jack Nicholas, when he made the suggestion to bring in other than just great Britain and Ireland and bring in continental Europe, Ken Schofield, who was in charge of the European tour, which is now the DP world tour, uh, listening to Jack and then implementing that and Seve Ballesteros. Seve Ballesteros is the Ryder Cup god of all gods uh, in Europe. So he played, he captained with a lot of passion. And then Jose Maria Othabo played and captained with a lot of passion. Sergio Garcia played with a ton of passion. He should be a Ryder Cup captain. We'll have to wait and see how that all plays out uh, with the PGA Tour, with the DP World Tour, and with, with Liv but Sergio Garcia is an all-time great player and an all-time great Ryder Cup participant. And, and, and everybody knows that he should be a captain. It just depends on what the politics will allow. So in John Rahm's realm, think about it. It's not even 30 years of age, Claude, right? So yeah, he's-, he's got, you know, eight, nine, 10 Ryder Cups to go uh, in his career. And if the DP World Tour doesn't allow non-PGA tour, non-DP World Tour players to play in it. You're talking about McElroy and Rom carrying the, you know, the European flag, and that's it. You know, there's not a lot after that. So I think that this is basically Ryder Cup based. And also John enjoys, this is why I love him. He enjoys playing against the best. He wants to play against the best. He wants to test himself against the best. He wants to succeed against the best. And right now with the game being splintered, you know, it's not as good field-wise as it was two years ago or one year ago. And I think that bothers John. So I think it's a combination of let's get them all together, however we do it. And also it's a Ryder Cup issue as well with John being from Spain. It's not an issue for the Americans nearly as much, as it is for the international team uh, in the President's
1: Cup and the European team in the Ryder Cup. Let's take a moment to thank For Wellness for supporting the show. You guys hear me talk about them every week, and that, the reason I do that is because I drink their coffee every week. I know lots of people are focusing on health and wellness as we start the new year, but what I love most about their coffee is that there isn't anything artificial in it. No artificial ingredients, sweeteners, creamers, and all the junk that isn't good for you. It's only the good stuff giving you more energy without typical crashes you get when a lot of your coffee and if you have a lot of sugar in your coffee. Give it a try and use the special code CH3. That code will get you 20% off your order plus free shipping and a free starter kit worth $30 when you visit forwellness.com/podcast. Again, that's the code CH3 at slash podcast One of the other winners, um, Max Homa, this kid, um, man, you talk about he's on a heater and he's another one that his game has really, really, I think, changed. Um, I think the work he's done with his swing instructor, Max Homa, I I mean, uh, Mark Blackburn, I think they're doing some really, really cool work. And um, he is such a fan favorite. You get to spend a lot of time around him. I mean, he is one of... Um, the good guys on the PGA Tour, for sure.
2: Love Max. Uh, that you can't name five guys in golf who play currently, who you'd rather go to dinner with, rather have a beer with, rather watch a ball game with, talk politics with, talk gambling with, talk anything with. You know, he's just a—he's a really good dude. Uh, a bright guy, a thoughtful guy. Man, is he playing some golf, Claude? Wow. Uh, I mean, not only is he a terrific guy to be around. Uh, But he's also matured to the point on the golf course where he understands his place in the game. It's not just a social media presence. Uh, It's not just a Twitter guy. He's actually a really thoughtful, um, nice young man. Yeah, You know, it it sounds ridiculous to say that, but you and I are of the age where we're allowed to say, hey, look, he's a nice kid. He's a nice young man. And my God, can he play? And going back to what we talked about with Rom, great player who's also hot, Yes, I agree with you. He's on a heater. I think Max is on his way to greatness. Um, I think he is one of these guys who he's gotten in his own way a little bit as well above the shoulders. And now he's really starting to find himself uh, not only succeeding on the PGA Tour, uh, but also knowing how uh, to go about his business day in, day out, week in, week out, uh, going against the best players in the world. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Max not only won another event in 2023, uh, but also put himself in contention uh, and gives himself a chance to win a major championship in 2023. Not only is he a great guy, I think he's a great player uh, who happens to be on a heater. He doesn't have the resume John Rahm has just yet. He doesn't have the longevity that John Rahm has just yet. But I think Max Homa is a guy who can win anywhere, Claude. And I think he's going to prove that uh, in the next few years.
1: Knowing him the way you know him, do you think... Going into the four majors this year, um, I think sometimes Max can put a lot of pressure on himself. Um, the pressure comes from within. And I remember going through that with with Brooks Kepka in you know in 2019 when Tiger won. You know, Brooks is, I mean, you talk about a heater. I mean, he'd won four out of the last eight majors he played in, and all of a sudden he showed up in 19. There's a big difference between thinking you can win a major, wanting to win a major, but then when you're the guy that you guys on Golf Channel are beating the drum saying, hey, it's his time, he's got the game, he's got to step up. How do you think players manage those expectations from wanting to win majors and thinking personally that they can win them, but then externally, when that pressure comes, it's, it's even more? I think Max is one of
2: those guys, Claude, as you alluded to he can get in his own way because he's a bright, thoughtful man. And I think that there's a lot to be said for having some clarity in professional sports, especially in this sport. I will never forget, you could not have been uh, nicer, more kind to come on the set with us the morning of when Dustin was trying to win uh, the Masters uh, at Live From when we were were together at Augusta. You were very kind to do that. And I remember us talking about – being ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to do it? And you said Dustin was ready. He had won the U S open that had been, you know, years previous had chances, but hadn't gotten it done since then. And I remember asking you about it and you said, you know, sometimes an athlete just needs to have the understanding that his game is sharp. now Now just go do it. And I think Max is one of those guys who almost needed to, and I'm not, I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm not trying to get into his head, but I almost feel like Max is the kind of guy who needed to prove it to himself before proving it to any of us or anybody else uh, in the world. And, and now that he has, I think like Rom, he carries confidence into a week like this week at Bay Hill or next week at the players. I think he carries confidence into these big events more so than he ever has before because he's proven it to himself that he can do it. He took John Rahm to the mat at Riviera a couple of weeks ago. Didn't win, was emotional about it. And you know what? I think he was emotional about it, Claude, because I think he just realized, you know what? John Rahm's the best player in the world, and I came up just short. You know, a little break here and there, and I would have won that week at Riviera. And I think Max uh, has the game has the attitude and also has the confidence uh, to put it all together right now.
1: We saw Tiger come back at, at Riviera. Um, What'd you think?
2: You know, I, I, it's great to see him back. I mean, it's just, it's awesome to see, you know, players, you know, who are past their prime, who have given us so much joy on the golf course, you know, as a sports fan uh, to come back and play. Um, I, I think, there are a lot of times where I think, boy, his good is good enough, Claude. You know, you know more about golf than I do. Um, you've forgotten more about golf than I have, uh, than I'll ever know. Um, but his good is absolutely good enough. I remember talking to some players out there who were around him and played with him, and they said the same thing. Got to play 72 holes, though, Claude. You, you got to be able to walk 72 holes. Um, Sometimes that also means on Wednesday there's a pro-am. Now, there's no pro-ams at majors, so he can do whatever he wants leading up to a major. Can he make it 72 holes. I think his swing can. Um, his putting wasn't great at Riviera, but who the heck – who, who puts well at Riviera? I mean, nobody puts well out there. It's just so hard to putt uh, on those greens. Um, I absolutely think his good is good enough to compete. The question is, will his body, especially the lower half, especially the leg – uh, will his body? I know his back isn't 100, percent let alone his leg. Um, will his body hold up over 72 holes? It's hard to see that right now. I will never ever count him out of anything after seeing what he has done uh, in his career, uh, and I wish him all the best. And it's great to have him back. Uh, but it was it was great to see him play well, and it was sad to see him not play well. And I think that's kind of where we are. Can he can he find uh, you know lightning in a bottle? Can he find that genie? It's Tiger Woods, man. You're never going to hear me say no. I think it's a, it'd be an arduous task right now to see him beat these guys the way they're playing, as young and hungry as they are, as healthy as they are, and Tiger's not 100. percent He's never going to be 100. percent And I also think, Claude, and you could speak to this. I'd like to see I'd like to see him play at the Players. I, I think he needs to play one more time before Augusta because. You know, you hear these guys talk over the years about, you know, being in rhythm and not having rust. It's hard to not have rust if you only play at the Genesis. And the last time you played real meaningful golf uh, was the Open Championship before that on Thursday and Friday. So I hope he plays the players if he's healthy enough. I hope he continues to get healthier. I can't see him beating the best players in the world the way it stands right now, Claude. But man, don't ever put anything past that guy. It was
1: it was awesome to watch him play. Take the take the live thing out of the equation. Um, if we can do that. Does the game does the game still need Tiger to be who he is? Because I sometimes f- feel like we rely so much on him. We want so much from him. And obviously he's not the player that he used to be. I mean, I I agree. I think on the right golf course on the right situation, I think he could win again. I was listening to Hank Haney's podcast the other day. Hank, I mean, Hank can sometimes be a little critical of of, of T-Dub, but he was like, yeah, I think on the right golf course, he can win again. He thinks, you know, out of all the places he thinks he could win again, it would be the Open Championship. Um, I think the best golf course for Tiger to win again is Augusta, but I just don't know if his body will allow that. But does in 2023, do we still need him it almost feels like the sport can't move forward because we keep looking backwards of, of what Tiger once was. Claude, there's a cruelty to this
2: sport uh, that not only uh, applies to the players, it applies to the fans and we're fans. And now you, you, you teach, I broadcast, but we're fans of the sport. In every other sport, they show you the door. There's a general manager or a coach Um, an owner of a team, uh, they show you the door. Uh, In in tennis, at some point, your body just gives out a little bit. I mean, Roger Federer came close to winning Wimbledon a few years ago uh, in that incredible uh, match with Nadal. Couldn't finish, never won again. You could clearly tell that he was never going to get past the quarters or the semis again because these guys are just too good. Not just Nadal and Djokovic, but the other young players. Golf's the same way. They don't show you the door in golf. So the cruelty of it is that you get to play forever. You don't think Aikman would have loved to have suited it up one more time? Jimmy Johnson and Gil Brand and Jerry Jones said, that's it. You're done. You can't play anymore. What do you think? He's, you know, it's that's the way it works in those sports. In golf, it's not like that. I was thinking about this the other day. And I'm not I'm, I'm picking on them. They're all-time greats. But so, last time you saw Ernie Els and Vijay Singh on television. They still play. Like golf, yeah. you can play forever. Champs tour. Champs tour. Champs tour. So occasionally they'll come out on the PGA tour and you're like, wow, it's so great to see him. I love it. They're all time. greats." Um, so Tiger is going to pick and choose when he plays. He played the Genesis. I'm glad he did. It's his own event for this foundation. I think he's going to play the players as long as he's healthy enough. And we're going to see him at Augusta, no question, uh, unless there's a health issue. And the cruelty of that Claude is that it allows you the opportunity to perhaps get it done. But the cruelty of that is also that the chances are so slim and also the chances are likely that you're not going to look the same way, not just walking and limping and and not being hundred percent body wise, but your game isn't as great uh, as it was. And it's, it's a, it's a weird deal in this sport compared to the others. Um, Do I think the sport needs him? No, I think it's a shot in the arm for fans and TV and podcasts and radio and the tour and the majors uh, to have him out there. There's no debate about that. But I don't think the sport needs him anymore. Think about it with there are very few people who are in that stratosphere. Wayne Gretzky, retired. The NHL is doing just fine. Michael Jordan, everybody thought the NBA is going to tank after Michael Jordan. Well, Kobe comes around. LeBron comes around. Greatness comes around. And then the attention moves forward. And then you get to see Michael every once in a while. You're like, hey, look at that. There's Michael Jordan. And Tiger still playing every once in a while? Sure, it, it kind of dangles in front of the fans and says, oh, here we are. Oh, this is so great. But the sport is just fine without him. Look, Bay Hill this week, 44 of the top 50 in the world are here. Tiger won this event 100 times. Uh, He made this place rock and roll, but it's going to rock and roll this week with those great players because of the work he put in and how great it was. And all the fans in central Florida, whoever else come here this week, they came here one at one point and saw what tiger did. And they fell in love with either the game or the way he played or a combination of the two and also the atmosphere that's around professional golf. So does the sport need him? No. Does the sport want him? Absolutely. No one's going to turn him down. But, uh, you know, I think the sport has moved past the fact that it's either Tiger's in the field or he's not. I don't think uh, the sport is the same way that it was, say, you know, 8, 9, 10 years ago when that truly was something. You and I have been to a million of these events. When Tiger was in the field, there was a different feel. Yeah. And that's the way it is now, Claude, but it's it's not as often as it was. So I think it's okay for the sport.
1: Terms and conditions apply. Do you think the fans need to come to terms with, you know, the 2019 Masters was the 86 Masters for Jack Nicklaus? That was, it was the comeback. It was the, you know, what everybody never thought they'd see. I mean, we were there. I mean, I never thought I'd see Tiger win again. I never thought I'd see him. Sure as hell never thought I'd see him win a major again. But I mean, is that, do you think that will be what, is the defining moment for him at the end.
2: Yes, I do. Um, I think that the chances are, are better that he never wins another major again than the fact that I think he could win one. Heck he could win one at Royal Liverpool. He could win at Augusta. I just not sure his body's going to allow, but by no means am I saying that he can't, I I definitely think he could possibly win it. By the way, you and I watched a lot of that together in 2019. I'll I'll never forget that memory uh, as well. And I, you know, was that his Jack moment? Sure seems like it. Can you believe that was four years ago? Um, I, You know, just think of what's transpired in, in everyone's life, but let alone his in four years. I think that, yes, it certainly seems like that's his Jack Nicholas moment. Uh, 46 and 86, Tiger in 2019, coming out of nowhere to do it uh just hanging around hanging around let everybody else kind of just fold around him and and the seas parted for him and he
1: went right through it it was the same it was people don't realize the same thing happened when nicholas won i mean Sevy sevi had a chance down the stretch jay haas had a st- chance down the stretch obviously everybody remembers norman but tom kite had a chance i mean there were so many and they all folded the exact same way they did for Jack. Um, And I think that, to me, that is... And my dad's always said this as well, Sansi, that the closest comparison that Tiger and, and Jack share is that everybody tend to throw up all over themselves trying to beat him, and he just kind of just hung around and just shot one under on Sunday and just kind of went.
2: It's a lot like what you said about John Rahm. When his name's on the leaderboard, everybody knows it now. Now, he's not nearly at the level of Tiger and Jack where everybody quakes in their boots, and that's the end of it. But Tiger certainly earned that. And before that, Jack certainly earned that. And, you know, what's interesting about that is the young guys today, and you know this, Claude. the young guys today, forget if it's Liv or PGA Tour, the last five, six years, they've all want become friendly with Tiger. Because Tiger has allowed them into his life. When he was destroying Phil and Ernie and David and VJ and Ratif and those guys, you know, get out of here. You don't even know. I'll tell you two two quick stories about that. Tony Finau was playing in the final round with Tiger and Francesco Molinari uh, in 2019. Remember, it was threesomes off uh, because of the early tea yeah. time because the bad weather was supposed to come in which by the way never came in uh, but they had to push up the tea times because of the weather forecast i said to tony a few weeks later what was that experience like final round at augusta with tiger and tony laughed he goes hey, tony by the way if you've seen full swing yet claude oh yeah it's, it's great i mean tony's a nice guy on the planet and we already knew that anyway but now the world gets to know that, which yeah. I think is great. So I said, Tony, what was that experience like? And he said, after we hit our tee shots on one, I'm walking down the hill before going back up. And I looked at Types final round of Augusta on Sunday, going down the hill before going back up the hill at number one to the, hit their second shots in the fairway. And I said, right. And Tony looked at me with a huge smile on his face. And he goes, I looked at Tiger and I said, how the kids? And Tiger looked at me and said, Good, and then walked fast all the way, Look. and said, and Tony realized it was on. Let me go back to Seve uh, in '86. Padraig Harrington once told me he's one of the most thoughtful uh, players in the last couple of decades. He's going to be in the World Golf Hall of Fame, three-time major champion, uh, and, a, and an absolutely fabulous guy. Padraig Harrington once told me the Masters is the hardest major championship to win, and I said, "Really?" I said, "It's played at the same place; you get used to the golf course." Short field, no rough. Smallest field, and basically 25 people can win it unless there's a real strange anomaly. But only 25 of those 90 or so guys have the chops to get it done. And he said, because it's played, now this is Padre. because it's played at the same venue, you remember the ghosts oh, just yeah. as much as you remember the greatness. And I said, really, what do you mean? He goes, when I was growing up, Sevi was my guy. So the whole world is watching the 86 Masters. Seve had already won it twice. He'd already been a five-time major champion, a World Golf Hall of Fame inductee. Without ever having hit another golf shot in his life, he was going to moonwalk into the Hall of Fame. And here he is at the top of the hill at 15, hitting his second shot. Jack Nichols is way behind him. Seve's going to win another Masters.
1: He had that... He had that, the double Nike logo on the visor. It was Nike on, on, on the bottom, Nike on the top.
2: <laughs> that's exactly right. And he hooked his second shot at 15, went into the drink, and that was the end of Seve. And I was like, I go, Padre, that's what you remember about the 86 Masters? He goes, Seve was my guy. So every time I stand in a practice round in, in any time of year or Thursday through Sunday at Augusta on the top of the hill at 15 – That's all I think about. That's why the Masters is so hard to win. There are ghosts at Augusta. There is less oxygen at Augusta than anywhere else on the planet. And that's why Tiger, if his body holds up, will always have a chance to win. there. Remember, Freddie was a leader there in his mid-50s. Bernard Langer in his mid-50s was a leader. Heck, Ben Crenshaw was like 100, and he was one of the early leaders on the first day. And I love that. I'm just kidding. But you can win there if you know the place. And nobody in today's game knows it better than Tiger. Not where to hit it. Where not to hit where it. Where not to hit it. And that's the key to what Tiger could be doing uh, in April at the Masters if he makes a run at six. Can you imagine the sports world? That'd Holy be unbelievable. If he makes a run at it, that would be outrageous.
1: Rory McElroy. Sandy, um, I know you probably feel the same I have no idea how that kid played as good as he played last year with the weight of basically Jay wanting him to carry the, the PGA tour and Rory wanting to do that as well. I mean, I, 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 he played a practice round with DJ Tuesday. Uh, We played like, I think maybe five, six, seven holes. And you could see that he was visibly, he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. and and. He is now the de facto. He is the PGA Tour right now. I mean, we have. I mean, I I don't know anybody that's seen. I mean, is I, I don't. When's the last time anybody saw Jay Monahan? I mean, Rory is the PGA Tour right now. They want him to be the PGA Tour, and he seemingly wants that role too. Can he keep doing it? And will it affect his play? The more that he is the face of the PGA Tour.
2: It's a great question. I I think some of that has calmed down a little bit. I think when they were in the throes of it uh, last year in 2022, you know, Rory took the mantle, by the way, volunteered for it. He was asked, but he also volunteered for it. You know, Rory isn't afraid to give his opinion. Uh, Rory is a very bright young man um, is very centered uh, and understands and is very thoughtful uh, when he gives an opinion there's thought behind it. He's not just throwing something on the wall to see if it sticks. Uh, I, I'm continually amazed at how great he is on and off the golf course. I've said this for years on and off the air. There's not a better combination uh, on and off the golf course than Rory McElroy right now in the world of golf. Uh, he, is, he has taken this one to heart. Um, you, know, you can like it or dislike it. You can agree with him or disagree with him. Uh, but this is something that he is very passionate about. Um, and he is kind of taking it on his own and his golf hasn't suffered. It's amazing, Claude. I mean, you know, you're around these guys, you know, as much, if not more than I am. You know, if they don't have that clarity we talked about earlier, it's hard to succeed. And, you know, I, I think that Rory, Rory needs to win the Masters. You know, he's, he's, won, he's a Masters away from becoming the sixth man in the history of the sport to win the career Grand Slam. I have no idea. I can't stand when someone says, oh, now that he's won one, he's going to win five. I can't stand that. I have no idea if he wins the Masters in April, if he's ever going to win again, or he's going to go win a hundred of them. I don't know. But Rory is one of those guys who he can compartmentalize. Um, He has a young family at home. He has his parents always around. Uh, Rose and Jerry are so great uh, to be around. Uh, his wife, Erica, their daughter, Poppy, uh, they're probably going to grow that family, I would assume. Um, and he's played great, all the while going to board meetings and Zoom calls and live this and PGA Tour that. And and it's it's been amazing. Uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, it's been fun to see him. I don't mean to sound like an old man, but it's been fun to see him mature from a smart young kid and a great player and a prodigy to fulfilling that promise as a player, Claude, But also maturing as an individual to the point now where you talk about like Max Homo, you can just sit and talk to anybody. uh, Talk to him about anything. You could sit and talk to Rory McIlroy about anything, and it's just he's just wonderful to be around. Uh, He's a credit to the game. Uh, It's a big credit to Jerry and Rose uh, who raised a fine young man and also a great great golfer. Uh, And I am amazed uh, the ability he has to compartmentalize. I will say, I'll close out on this. During COVID, he was the first guy I heard say, I can't play in front of no fans. The silence is really weird to me. It's very strange. It's bizarre. I can't get used to it. I don't feel, not only do I not hear and feel the energy, but I feel like my energy is lowered because there's nobody around. I feel like live in a very different way, Claude. I think live and the, the choices he made last year, publicly and privately, as it pertains to live, motivated him to be a great player. And I think you are seeing a motivated player along with someone who's thoughtful and has an understanding of where he feels like the game needs to be at the highest level.
1: I think the only thing that, that I think is negative is if he gets the lead at any major, But specifically, if he's taking any sort of lead, one shot, two shot, however, the pressure for him to win this for the PGA Tour becomes something that nobody has ever in our sport had to deal with, and nor should they have to deal with. I mean, that is just... Do you think think that's what we saw, Sanders, or do you think he got beat by Cam Smith? I think he got beat, but I mean, he, he came out a little bit flat. I mean, I thought... I mean, we were both there and, and I'm thinking there is nobody that wins today other than him. And I just, I mean, I was, and especially after the way he played on Saturday and all of the things that he did and the way that he did it and, and going into Sunday, um, DJ was a couple, probably maybe two, three groups, maybe four groups ahead. So we were kind of in that same kind of wave. We were on the, we were on the practice range together and you could just tell that you, you know, these guys, when, when, When they, when there's something different about them, because we see them all the time, you sense it, you can smell it, you can feel it, you can taste it, and you could see that he was in a very different. His body language, I I thought, I've seen him play a ton of, I've watched him hit a million golf balls. He was different that day, and um, you know, and he was different that day than he was the day before. Um, You know, very similar. My dad always says about Greg Norman when Greg had the epic meltdown at Augusta, um, he was a different person on Sunday than he was when he left the golf course Saturday night. And I noticed a difference in Rory and I was surprised that he didn't come out of the gate because I just figured that's all we'd hear. We'd just hear him birdie the first, we'd hear him birdie the second, birdie the third, and then just the world would have ended. I mean, there'd have been more people there than you could shake a stick at.
2: I think there's a few things there. I I totally agree with you. Um, I can't imagine the pressure. Uh, of being the favorite, I can't imagine the pressure not only of being the favorite, Claude, but being the people's choice. He's the favorite gambling-wise and personality-wise. He's who everybody in the world was rooting for at St. Andrews. That place means more to golf than anywhere outside of Augusta National, and he was going to win an open championship there. And all great players know they only get two or three chances at it. Uh, in their prime at St. Andrews. And when you have an opportunity like that, you don't want to let it slip away. Um, the pressure's immense. He hasn't won a major since the PGA in 2014 at Valhalla.
1: It's a long time. Uh, and we're not talking about someone who's 48. We're talking about someone who's like 34, 35. I always say to people, Sansi, that in, 2000, in 2014, if you'd have told someone in 2023, Rory McIlroy and Brooks Koepka are going to have the exact same amount of majors when Brooks hadn't just barely gotten on the PGA Tour, you'd say, well, I don't know if Brooks could ever win one. And you're thinking at that point, he's got four. By the time 23 rolls around, he's probably going to have 10. I,
2: I mean, it's 100% right. There's, there's no way in the world you could have looked back and walked away from Valhalla and thought, you know, in 2023, when we all convene at the Masters, is going to have the same number of majors. It's amazing. And still be trying to win at Augusta. In his prime. Claude and I mean his prime. I mean, we're talking about, you know, some really, really fruitful years there uh, that have gone away. Now he can get on a heater and go in everywhere. By the way, he won his open championship at Liverpool. So that's a good vibe for him. I think Oak Hill, guess who's from Rochester, his wife, Erica, her entire family, all of them from Rochester. That would be special. Um, You know, I think, look, I think he's going to win a masters. I think, I, I, I think I was more confident three years ago than I am now. Uh, but I do think he's going to win a masters because I just think he's great. And I think he's a great guy. And, and I think that sometimes, you know, sometimes they give you, they give you something, you know, Ernie else had a lot of heartbreak, had a lot of heartache. And then all of a sudden in 2012, at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's Adam Scott who's a fabulous guy and a fabulous player. Couldn't make a par in the last four holes. And Ernie made a big, big putt and ended up winning another Open Championship to give him four majors, two and two U.S. Opens and Open Championships. I think sometimes, you know, those things happen. Jack in 86 was magical. 19 with Tiger Woods was magical. Magical things tend to happen at Augusta National, and I think other than Gene Sarazen, and it's hard to, you know, mess with the Squire. I love the Squire. Everybody loves the Squire, but let's not pretend that major championships meant as much back then as they do now. And, I mean, they they were meaningful. They were big. But the Masters wasn't the Masters then. He's the only player in the history of the sport to complete the Grand Slam at Augusta. So Rory is facing some serious, serious headwinds, Claude. But I think it's going to happen. And it might might happen uh, in about six, seven weeks.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: Lastly, changing gears totally to your world. Um, We've seen some of your colleagues at NBC, the great Roger Maltby, Gary Koch um, make their exits, Nick Faldo no longer in the the first chair up at uh, CBS, and the new breed, uh, you know, one of our dear, dear friends, Trevor Immelman getting that role. Um, I think Colt Nost is doing a hell of a job as as coming onto the scene. I think John Wood's doing an amazing job. I mean, Amanda and, and Kira Dixon, I mean, they do great work, but there is this youth movement and um, some of the old guard moving out. And uh, what's your take on that? How do you, how do you, I mean, firstly, Trevor, how do you think he's done? I think he's done. Unbelievable. I've
2: worked with Trevor for a long time. Um, I, I, I was there when he made the transition uh, from playing, to broadcasting. Um and that's not an easy transition to make. You still want to play. You still have the inkling to play. And he went over to play some some European tour events. He's played some tour events. He's played some in the US. Now he's a full-time broadcaster and he's fabulous. He's he's great. He looks great. He sounds great. He knows the game. He won the masters. Uh he knows today's players. Uh, I think he's a wonderful addition. Um, I grew to I grew to love Nick Faldo uh, on and off the air. He was an all-time tough guy when he played, Claude, <laughs> but he softened up quite a bit once he left playing uh, competitively. Uh, but it was time uh, to make that switch, and I think CBS did the right thing in giving Trevor his shot, and I think he's taken full advantage of it. I've been in the booth with Trevor uh, for years, and he, he's going to be great. Uh, I think the youth movement, look, I miss Roger and Gary uh, on a personal yeah. level. Uh, I miss Absolutely. I, 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 I miss raising a glass with those two. Uh, cutting open a big stake with those two and also broadcasting with them uh, and listening to them and learning from them and, and hearing the funny stories at dinner and in the trailer and during rain delays and all the the same stories we've heard 20 times and still laugh just as hard. Uh, But, you know, look, I'm 54 Claude. you know, time moves forward. You know, my time's going to run out, you know, everybody's time runs out and like golf itself, in TV, our jobs are so great. We're so lucky to have them. You normally don't leave on your own terms. That's <laughs> you know, just not yeah. the way it works. Uh, and, and that's okay, as long as it's not taken too early. You know, uh, you know, Roger and Gary are 70, 71, I believe, maybe 70 and 69. It was an amazing run. Uh, they are sorely missed. Uh, they will be missed. They will never be replaced. Kurt Byram and Brad Faxon uh, and John Wood and Smiley Kaufman, are now the mainstays as far as those go. And and that's the way life works. I think broadcasting, um, look, everything is a young man's, a young woman's game. You know, everything is is better when you're younger. Uh, I get that. Um, you know, people like me and you are just trying to hang in there. <laughs> just hang on as long as you can uh, and let the ride continue. But I I think that the people who set the standard before you, I think it's incumbent upon all of us. Look, when I got hired by NBC, in the early 2010s, I remember thinking the responsibility of being on network television and being the person who interviews the players first, always first. There's a there's a heavy responsibility to that. I think there's a responsibility when I'm in the tower or when I'm in the booth, calling golf, that the audience is enlightened, entertained, but also informed, you know, and there's a lot to that. And the people who were before me, I learned a lot from and hopefully implement that uh, whether I'm doing play-by-play or interviews, uh, whatever it is. And I think these guys learned under Roger. John Wood is as good as he is now on TV because he got to work with Roger. Did he pick his brain all day, every day? No, you've got to be your own person. But learning from literally who I think is the greatest walker of all time in televised golf, I think that you can only learn and pick up things like John Wood has. I think that... You know Gary Koch set the standard as far as being a whole announcer. I think Nick Faldo was an all-time great, like Johnny Miller, for years uh, in the big chair. And I think Trevor has learned how to criticize, but also be enthusiastic. I think that there's a there's a fine mix there uh, between the two. But yeah, everything's going younger, everything's going less expensive. Um, you know, sign of the times, Claude. It is what it is. But I, I think that for the most part. You know, whether I was broadcasting or watching the West Coast, I thoroughly enjoyed CBS's telecast. I think Golf Channel does a fabulous job. And I think NBC this past weekend, for the first time, we, we had a little bit a uh, time at, on Maui. But as far as, you know, in the continental United States at a regular, if you will, quote unquote, regular uh, event with a full field and also a regular uh, start times and end times, I think NBC picked up right where it left off. Uh, and, and is and is one of the standards uh, in all of sports television, and we're going to have that group for the next five weeks from Bay Hill all the way to the Valero Texas Open, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But there's a lot of changes going on, Claude. You know that. Um, we're just trying to hang in there, buddy. You know, let's just keep let's just keep rolling, and hopefully nobody notices. And about ten or fifteen years from now, they go, you know what, that guy's still around. Get him out of here. And I will be glad to walk through that door if it's like 68, 69, 70. Uh, But hopefully it continues for a long time because it's a blast. And I can't imagine a better way to make a living. And and the people we work with and work for, Claude, I mean, we're awfully lucky to do what we do. Uh, And you're a big part of that, whether you know it or not, whether it's a text message for information about one of your players, whether it's doing a podcast with you, whether we're doing outings together corporate wise, or whether you grace us with your presence on the set or in a phone call uh, because you're not on site, it's, it's all a circus, man. We're all clowns in the circus, Claude. And uh, hopefully, hopefully that big tent keeps rolling.
1: All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you at Augusta. We'll definitely uh, raise a glass and uh,
2: it'll be paid for by Caden. It'll be great. Two of the great words in the English language, free booze. I mean,
1: (laughs) hopefully uh, 2023 is a little calmer than 22 and we can let the golf take care of the golf.
2: Isn't that what it's supposed to be, Claude? It I It mean, is. I, thought. I understand what every, everybody has their own thing. Everybody has their own lane, their own path. Uh, some of them are rocky. Some of them are paved. Uh, but golf at the highest level is really strong right now. These guys are so great. The women on the LPGA Tour, Grant Boone, by the way, his father passed away on the Friday of the event at Lake Nona, and I got asked to come into the booth and do uh, the LPGA event on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, they're playing some seriously high-level golf on the LPGA Tour, some seriously high-level golf on the men's side, whether it's live or whether it's the PGA Tour. And hopefully, it's a a little bit of a smoother ride uh, in 2023. But I I think we're headed in that direction. But I don't know. Who knows?
1: All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you on TV for the next five weeks, Anzi. Be well. All right, Claude. Good to talk to you, bud. Stay,
2: uh, Stay safe. I'll see you in Augusta.
1: that was Steve Sands and I love that guy and uh, it's crazy. I I used to see him on a regular basis and with all this craziness, um, that's the first time we've actually had a real kind of sit down and talk. So, um, I think he's one of the great voices in the game and you're going to get a big dose of him over the coming weeks as NBC takes over the coverage of the PGA tour. So that is going to be a positive for me. Um, I've been doing some more solo episodes of the podcast. They seem to be doing well, but, um, If you've got ideas of of what topics uh, you'd like me to discuss, hit me up, you know, send me a DM on Instagram um, and I'll try and get to as many solo topics as I can get to. Um, It's always great to have guests on, but um, if you want to hear me talk about anything um, golf related, uh, let me know because I'm happy to do it. I like doing the solo ones. Um, It's kind of like, you know, giving lessons. Um, It's definitely part of my job and I really like doing them. So hit me up. Let me know which topics you'd like to um, discuss. And I can't thank everybody enough. I keep saying this, but um, the fact that everybody's listening when I'm at tournaments, people come up and say they're big fans of the podcast. And that is just, that is so cool for me to 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 hear that. And um, I love doing it. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will be back next week.